Welcome to a rumor mill version of Canton Bound, the NFL portion of our two weekly shows here at Campus to Canton. As always, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And we, we have some really fun topics tonight. We're talking, obviously, like I just said, we're, t- we're talking a little rumor mill here. We're talking some de- some deeper sleepers for the 2021 rookie class. And I'm not going to lie. I know Valentine's is like in a month now, but Cupid has just not come and struck me yet on, on any of these lower rate of prospects in this 2021 class. It's, I, I feel like by now I usually have a couple, but this year I just, I am, I am struggling to find some guys that I love that down low like that. I, there's a couple guys that I'm love struck up for, and, and we'll talk about that here on the show, but I, I do think there's some guys this year that you're going to be able to get just because of the depth of the class overall that you're going to be able to get in like the fourth round of your rookie draft this year that actually may turn into something. Unlike in most years where your fourth round, if he makes it onto your roster by the time the season rolls around, you're happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump right into it here. Um, so yeah, our first topic here is going to be the rumors surrounding Deshaun Watson and um, uh, I guess in related fashion to a tag by Loa. Uh, so outside of the coaching hires, I think that's kind of the big news that's happening right now. And we wanted to wait until all of those positions are filled before we really kind of talk coaching carousel. Um, so that leaves the, you know, the the big news of the week outside of the playoffs is Deshaun Watson, who is, um, I don't even know if it's a rumor to be anymore because he's, he's been sending out cryptic, cryptic yeah. tweets and stuff about not being happy in Houston. Yeah, um, I saw the one today. It was like, it was on a two and then I took it to a 10. So... I think he's the one who's kind of escalating this. Yeah, which is bad news bears for the the Houston Texans because they, you know, they they have a little bit of leverage. And if Deshaun Watson comes out and says, you know, screw you guys, I'm not playing, then they really have no leverage at that point. He's got a no trade clause. He can really dictate the situation. So, um, yeah, Colin, tell us a little bit about what you think about uh, the, everything that's going on down there. Well, I mean, let me first start off by saying that I love Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's, you know, he was a baller at Clemson. You know, he's just a winner when it comes to the game. And then, you know, he gets into the league. He, t- he steps onto the the Texans, which wasn't the best situation overall. I mean, he did have Hopkins there for a while. So, you know, you liked that that pairing. But the or whole organization has just kind of been a mess for a little while now. And then that whole power struggle with Bill O'Brien and, you know, he he obviously messed that team up for the future, which can't have made Deshaun Watson happy. But I, going back to him being just, you know, a competitor and a baller, I, I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to say, screw you, I'm sitting out, I'm not playing. I think he's the kind of guy who he just loves the game and he loves playing. So I have a hard time seeing him pull a Carson Palmer and, you know, just be like, well, sorry, Bengals, I'm not playing. You have to trade me. And then they have to trade him to Oakland or wherever. So I, I think that when it comes down to it, he would step onto the field for for the Texans. Um, but, you know, he's going to be very, very discontent uh, all offseason. So it would probably be better for them if they can move him overall. Um, obviously you don't want to give up a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's arguably the, you know, second best quarterback in young quarterback in the league right now. I mean, he's my fantasy QB too, um, which we could get into that a little bit more, but I just think that 
try to get as much for him now while you can before you lose all leverage, like you said, because if I'm wrong and he does say I'm not playing, then the Texans lose all leverage and they can't, you know, they're going to have a hard time getting anything of value for him. Yeah. And uh, you brought up Bill O'Brien. Has anybody failed up like harder than him this off season <laughs> between he leaves there and now he gets to go to Bama to like the, the Nick Saban rehab for, for coaches <laughs> who want to coach good too, or whatever, like <laughs> because his, his reputation was crap. And now he's going to go there and as every opportunity to look awesome with you know, a bunch of five stars hanging out there for the next couple of years. I love that Zoolander reference, by the way. That was fantastic. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I think I I don't think with Bill O'Brien, the problem's ever been his coaching necessarily. I mean, he coached up a pretty poor Penn State team there for a while and then parlayed that into a job with the Texans. But it's not like the Texans were very good when when he took over. He never really had good quarterbacks until Watson. So yeah, he did a lot with a little there. So I don't think coaching was ever the problem for O'Brien. It was just when he started to get power hungry and tried to do the the whole GM and coach thing, and that just absolutely failed miserably. Well, did you see Saban even said that this week? People asked him about Bill O'Brien. He's like, yeah, everything was going really good, and then he wanted to be GM, and maybe he shouldn't have done that. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's – Jesus, and you just hired this guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. well – I mean, he had to replace Sark with somebody. And I mean, I think this is as good of an offensive coordinator as you're going to get. And I think Bryce Young is probably the second most talented quarterback he's ever had. So I think he could do some nice things there. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Back to, I mean, back to Watson. He's my, <laughs> he's my QB two as well. Um, I think I tweeted out a few weeks ago about yeah. that thing. You know, we, every time this time of the year, every year we have a guy like that goes off, like Josh Allen, everyone's saying is the QB two now. Like maybe we'll pick, maybe I'll pick the guy that, has no, has had more than one good year in his career like where Watson will like consistently be a top five quarterback. I'd rather have that than a guy that's either going to be like two or 13, you know, I'd, and you have to guess which year it is in terms of if it's going to be a great year or not. Just give me the steady guy. That's going to finish top five every year. And I mean, yeah. he gets better every year. He's 25 years old this season. He put up ridiculous stats. He put up 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, which was his best um, uh, ratio there ever. Uh, 4,800 uh, passing yards, uh, 70.2% completion percentage. I mean, the guy was great, but you'd never know it because the rest right. of that roster is so bad. And that's why I think it's almost a smart idea. Like I know, I know a lot of people, and I, I mostly agree with this statement. We'll say it's like the haves and the have nots in the NFL as big as you have a quarterback or you don't have a quarterback, but the rest of that roster is so bad. They have no picks this year. Like, it would be one thing if like the offense was really good and then they just had to fix the defense. But honestly, outside of Watson, both are really bad. You almost like people float those Tua trades, which we're going to talk a little bit about that fallout from that here in a minute, but Tua and some firsts or whatever, you know, that's, if you think that Tua can be a average starting NFL quarterback, then I think there's a lot worse you could do than that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and with the quarterback position, like I've mentioned before, I'm a little bit slower to move on guys, which is probably why, which which is mo- the bigger reason why I have Watson at two, just because we've seen him, we've seen him do it year in, year out. You know, Lamar Jackson, everybody wanted to put him at two last year, you know, and then he kind of had a down year this year. Everybody wants to put Josh Allen at two this year, and he did have a phenomenal year. But the two years before that were like, just from a pure quarterbacking standpoint, we're not that great. So, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to move up on him. So when I see it in a guy year in and year out, like I have with Watson, like 
that's the guy that I want. That's why I have him at two. So, you know, and, and it does come back to bite me a little bit sometimes that I'm a little slower to move people, but move on people. But it also, you know, benefits when, you know, you're not moving Lamar up and you're trading just an absolute ton of value to get him last offseason. And now this offseason, you know, most people have Lamar probably what, like QB5, you know, but I think there's some people out there who would be like, uh, you know, I would kind of rather Herbert. So let me try and move Herbert plus something small. Or let me try to move Jackson for Herbert plus something small. So, you know, he lost a ton of value. So you see that happen a lot. And it happened with Trubisky and Bortles to a little bit lesser of an extent. So, you know, my conservative nature with quarterbacks, like I said, does lead me to, to stick with Watson at two. Um, so I, th- I think, like you said, like the rest of that roster, though, is just so bad that even though you have a quarterback as good as Watson, you know, and we can get into Tua here a little bit, but I think to move it for Tua and some picks would be a, it would be a good idea for the overall franchise. Yeah, I think it's hard to acquire like big quarterbacks in Dynasty anyway. Like outside right. of a startup or a rookie draft, I think those quarterbacks are generally not easy to pry from someone's hands. Like that, you, right. your team has to just be like total total crap for for most people to consider moving those guys so it's not like you know like at this point like i'm i've never even be able to trade for josh allen even if he did was the qb2 for forever and watson's another guy that's like it's just incredibly hard to trade for those guys without giving up a ton and right. i don't know i mean it is a unique situations i see people do it online sometimes and i think that looks like cool trades but i'm not sure i'm like comfortable making that big of a trade like i don't know I, maybe i'm a wimp i don't know no, I, and I agree with you there too. The problem is like, uh, you know, in my in a lot of my leagues right now that I'm in, like, I've gone through like the the rebuild, and I'm right now I'm at the point where all right now I'm ready to compete. Um, you know, in our in the one league we're in, where you finish second, I finish third in that one. Um, you know, in the year before that, in that league, you know, I finished second. So like, I have a, I have a team that's like right there. Um, you know, so and there's a couple other leagues where I'm like like kind of right there in. So. I'm not really looking to make huge moves like that. And like you said, to get a quarterback, you typically do have to to overpay at anywhere outside of the draft. So, I mean, I think if you can use some of the uncertainty around Watson right now to, to maybe get him a little bit cheaper, like I would absolutely do it if I can. Now I have him in, in two of my leagues. So like, I'm totally fine with that, with, with keeping him. You're not going to get him from me. But if somebody else differs and they don't have him as high as I do, I think now may be a good time to to pounce on that, where his value is kind of in flux. So this is a C2C podcast, as we uh, you know often bring up for good reason. <laughs> if you are in a C2C league and you are trying to get or, or trade away Watson, um, Tua, like we're going to say, you know, the people are saying Tua plus two firsts or whatever in, in real life. What two maybe college side assets would you add? Could, would that be enough for you to move like Tua plus in a, in a league for Watson? So if I have Watson and I mean, if I have Watson and I'm competing, I'm probably not on the pro side. Like I'm probably not going to give him up. Like it's going to have to just absolutely blow me away. Like on the college side, it would probably have to be Tua and a DJU and maybe maybe like a Kyron Williams. So like right in that next tier down. So you'd have to package like of running backs. Like so you would have to package like a lot to to get him there from me. 
So, and I don't even know if that would get it done, to be honest with you, but that's where you'd have to start. Yeah. Yeah. I was, well, I was hoping you were going to say Bijan. I, I, was just, uh, I, I, I would love, I would love that to get Bijan in there too, but I don't know if, if somebody would give up to a uh, DJU and Bijan. Yeah. Especially with Justin Ross coming back next year, which right. totally other discussion for probably yeah. the other show. Actually, we, yeah. we, probably, we probably will talk about this, that this week. Cause that's exciting news. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So the, obviously the other side of this Watson deal that we keep alluding to, not even really alluding, we just, we keep straight up saying it is that <laughs> the two is rumored to be going the other way. Uh, which has then like caused a bunch of other dominoes to fall in terms of Tua news this week, um, where we had to follow up with that story from uh, a local reporter, I think it was, that had interviewed uh, more than one Dolphins player. I don't know how many. I don't even know if the article ever said, but anonymously sourced Dolphins players who were basically just crapping on Tua and saying like they didn't understand why he was playing this year because Fitzpatrick was obviously better and the Tua like wasn't even good in practice, so they couldn't figure out why he was going in games. Um, and it was just like a t- like that whole situation is just devolved into chaos at this point. So, um, what do you think about what's happening in Miami now? Because that looked like a team that's on the rise, and now you're like, well, they they're crapping on their young quarterback, and you, I mean that messes with confidence. I uh, never really know. Yeah, I mean I, that those rumors really really surprised me because you never heard anything like this about Tua in college. Like everything you heard about. Tua in college from even from Jalen Hurts who you know Tua beat out for a job and for pretty much forced to transfer even Jalen Hurts had nothing but great things to say about Tua Saban gushed about him all the time everybody loved him in the locker room everybody you know everything you heard about him was positive so to now hear that these NFL guys kind of start trashing him was just was really surprising to me and I think the biggest I think where that stems from is the fact that they were like, I think it was six and two when they finally made, when they made the move to put Tua in. So they were six and two with Fitzpatrick. Now it was like a bit of, I think it was a bit of a weaker schedule there overall. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a strong start to this season for schedule wise for Miami, but um, you know, I think that is where it stems from the fact that they made that switch early you know, and then they lost a couple games. Um, but the games that they lost, I mean, they lost that Denver game, but then they lost to Kansas City and they lost to Buffalo. You know, so it's not like those are those look like two solid losses right now. You know, so I don't necessarily understand why they're trashing Tua. I still believe in Tua. I still think he's going to be a solid NFL quarterback. I mean, like we kind of mentioned on previous shows, you know, it, it takes a while to come back from an injury and everybody kind of seemed to think that he was going to just redshirt this year. So I don't understand necessarily why they kind of threw him into the fire like that. So I kind of get where the players are coming from on that tense, but I don't think that's to his fault. That's on the coaching staff. Yeah, it was, yeah, it really surprised me too. Cause it's not even like two is like a bad guy. Like he's no. at least like a really nice guy. If I didn't know that Fitzpatrick was so, was so kind and, you know, helpful with other quarterbacks in the the quarterback room, I would have assumed that it was, he was one of the guys because he like, it sounds like a guy, like a, you know, a jilted former competitor at that position that that was mad that his job got stolen and, and wanted, uh, you know, he wanted retribution through the media. Um, and I was trying to look up quick to see who their third string quarterback was just to see. Um, I have no idea who it is. They don't even have one listed on their website. So 
Yeah, we. I mean, we said on the show a couple, uh, one of the first shows I think we did that we thought two was a buy because he did yeah. so well this year. Like, like you just said, we thought he was going to probably have to redshirt. I mean, he that hip injury was terrible. Yeah, I don't think anyone thought he would play significant snaps this year. I think he still has a lot of room to grow. And yeah, like I, why would you shoot your quarterback's confidence just like out, you know, out the window for? It serves no purpose. No. Unless unless there are really strong rumors in that building that Watson's coming there anyway, which could be the case. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, because Miami was Miami was a really solid team overall this year. So getting a Deshaun Watson for them, even if they do have to give up two firsts, because they have a lot of draft capital, so they can kind of afford to, you know, make some moves here with and package some picks together. But I mean, if they can bring in Deshaun Watson, I think that you know you already saw they were a playoff caliber team this year. I mean, they were really solid this year. Um, just missed out on the playoffs. But you know, I think if they, you know, a couple things bounce their way, they're a playoff team, and then you throw Deshaun Watson in there, and that suddenly vaults them up. You know, it, the Steelers are probably going to take a step back next year. Um, I think you know you would probably agree with that as a Steelers fan. <laughs> <laughs> as you're sitting there just glaring at me, shaking your head. <laughs> um, so I think they're probably going to take a step back next year. So that's going to open up a spot there. And, you know, I think that, you know, that the Titans may take a step back next year as well, especially losing their OC, um, which we can talk about that on the coaching show a little bit more. But, you know, so I think there's some room for adding Watson for Miami to suddenly jump into contention in the AFC. Yeah, they they don't even really need those first if they get Watson. Right. Like, I mean, obviously you really like to have them, but you like it, it, because they need to strengthen wide receiver and not only is it a deep wide receiver class, but there's a couple really nice wide receiver headliners and and free agency that they could go out and get if they right. wanted to because they have a decent amount of money there as well. Young defense, um a lot of pieces there for them if they make that trade to be able to compete right away. But the alternative uh, the alternative is they keep Tua they use those picks. I mean, you probably figure if they keep two of them, maybe they trade down from three unless um, unless Sewell's there. Uh, right. Anything could happen. Obviously, maybe they, they would want to take him and, and beef up the line. But there there's a lot of possibilities for them either way that I think could work out really, really well. And this could be one of those situations where they make one and then there's like a 30 for 30, like, or what, you know, whatever we make in like 25 years, you know, whatever that series is called about the, you know, what if the dolphins had done the other one that they didn't end up doing, like what could have happened? So yeah. I, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of different possibilities um, to, to wait and, and see what happens. Yeah. I think it's just going to make for, for a really interesting off season narrative it's probably going to be a narrative that drags on for a little while there. I don't think they'll make any move like that until after the season's over. So you're already looking at like another three, four weeks until they would actually make a move like that. Um, and then they may even not make a move like that until free agency is over until a little bit even closer to the draft potentially. So it's, it's going to be something that drags on all off season. Yeah, I make fun of my wife for all the crappy reality TV she watches, and I'm over here just like eating this shit up. Like, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> maybe I owe her an apology. She doesn't listen to the show; she'll never know I said that. And there's no apology forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we did just spend like 20 minutes on on this on these rumors here, so you know, I, I guess we can't fault them too much for, you know getting into the bachelor or you know the bachelorette or 
Oh, Love Real, House, Real Housewives over here. My Real Housewives? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm an expert on all that stuff. Uh, I can I can say I've never seen that. Oh, you you pick up so much through osmosis. You sit in the room. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, uh, all right. So that's our, the big part that we're going to talk about here in the show. Um, somebody reached out to you, Colin, on Twitter. Is that how we came up with this? Yeah. Um, so, and he just says his name is Joey uh, in there. But Joey yeah, reached out to me and, you know, asked for for some yeah well he asked for some fcs guys and i was like man you are digging deep if you're going for some fcs guys because like outside of lance there was i I mean i had Cade johnson who was a senior bull guy which was the guy that you know but and then zarek cooper who was the clemson transfers like that was all i had for the guy so like I, i couldn't really help him there but you know he mentioned that you know in the c2c that he's in you know the guys you know it's a little bit deeper it's like 30 man rosters so you know, the, the typical guys aren't available for him. So he was kind of asking about some sleepers. And, you know, that kind of led to this this segment here where, you know, who are some guys that if you're in a C2C uh, league where who might be available for your rookie draft? Or, you know, if you're not in a C2C, you know, these are some guys that, like we talked about, you go, you could, could take an eye on for uh, your, like, fourth round and, you know, and, and potentially even, you know, have some, like, nice returns on these guys. So... There's a couple of them who are probably not available if it's a deep C2C league, but I think most of these guys would be available in any format. See, I was going to say, I think like um, of the guys I'm going to talk about tonight, because I was saying at the beginning of the show, like I just don't have like a ton of guys that I fall in love with that are like really, really deep in this class yet. Yeah. Um, I would say yeah, maybe two of my guys probably aren't owned anywhere. But the rest of them probably are. But they're like kind of guys where you can get them like re- as a real cheap throw in at some point or something like yeah. that. Or if it's like a regular rookie draft, you know, like probably a uh, at the earliest, like a late third. And I think it honestly would be a lot later than that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a- as always, we're going to start with quarterback. Uh, Colin, you have or yeah, tell us who you've got and why you think that they are a sleeper uh, for teams this year. So the guy I'm going to talk about is a guy that I, I actually really like, and I I started to pay a little bit more attention to him when I was looking up somebody else that we were talking about on uh, one of our past shows, and I came away you know pretty impressed with him, and I want to dive in a little bit more this year um, to to really solidify my rankings. But he's a guy who might jump to my QB six. Uh, he might jump uh, Kyle Trask for me. Now, I haven't finalized any grades or anything yet, but that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. And that guy's Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford. Uh, you know, he's got the prototypical size, 6'4", 225. Uh, you know, he was a five-star guy. He was the number one pro-style QB in his class and the number 15 overall QB. Um, so, you know, you maybe say, well, why did he go to Stanford? But really wanted to go to Stanford because of his academics. Uh, at Stanford, you know, everything that I read, like this is a really smart kid and he really kind of, I don't, they didn't mention if he followed, wanted to follow the Andrew Luck model, but I think he kind of did. Like, I think he kind of saw that where like, you know, he's a football player, but he wants to go there and he wants to get a good degree from a really stand up university. And he even shunned uh, Bama, you know, Bama was interested him in him and he just, he kind of turned him away and was just all Stanford the whole time. Uh, which, I mean, it worked out for Bama because they got two out of this class. So, you know, they're fine with it. <laughs> um, but you know, the biggest concern with with Mills is, is obviously the injuries. 
uh, you know, he had a pretty big knee injury his senior year of high school, uh, and that carried over into his uh, freshman year of college. So it forced him to redshirt. Um, and he didn't, you know, then he was behind KJ Costello. So, you know, he didn't do anything his sophomore year either. Uh, but he did take over for Costello last year uh, when Costello went down with that injury. You know, and he looked pretty solid. And then, you know, he got hurt again, uh, missed a couple games. But he did come back uh, and finish the year pretty strong that year. Um, you know, he ended up on the year with um, 1,960 passing yards, uh, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 65.6% completion percentage. Uh, and he did break the Stanford singles game pass yards record that year with uh, 504 yards against Washington State. Um, so, you know, he looked pretty good that year. Um, his numbers this year are, are more or less the same. Uh, you know, he, they, Stanford only played five games in general, which is why I do want to dig in on him a little bit more. Uh, but he had 1,500 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, which all three of those interceptions came in the last game against uh, UCLA. Um, but you know, it's 66 percent completion percentage right there that year, too. So, you know, he's got solid but unspectacular statistics, but you don't really expect Stanford quarterbacks to just be lighting up the scoreboard or anything like that. They aren't really a, an air raid offense, obviously. Um, but you know, just as a prospect, I think he has, shows solid ball placement. You know, I think he puts his wide receivers in a position to make a play more often than not. Um, and then, you know, in, in the red zone, you see him, you know, put the ball up and let his guys go get it, especially last year with Colby Parkinson. You know, he really let him use his height. Um, I think he has a solid arm. I, I don't think it's good, but I think it's passable. I think it's NFL caliber. Um, and, you know, I think one of the underrated things with him, too, is he shows good pocket mobility. You know, he can get outside the pocket and even pick up some extra yards on scrambles. But you don't really want him to get outside of the pocket too often, you know, one with those injuries and two, he doesn't really throw well on the run or off platform. So it's an underrated part of his game, but it's not something that you want him to do a ton of, but you know, like I mentioned, he's a really smart guy. So he does go through his progressions really well. I think he moves through his reads, um, you know, and then he'll check it down at the end and he looks really poised in the pocket too. You never really seems rattled even in the face of rushes, you know, he'll take some shots, uh, and deliver the ball. Um, so, and he, and he looks very comfortable in the short to intermediate area, but you don't really see him throw downfield much, which is something I do want to see him do a little bit more. I'll be interested to see if I, he does any of that this year. Um, but he, he does look like his arms, his arms. Okay. On those deep passes, like not great. He said, but it's passable. Um, but he's not ever a guy that's just going to wow you at all. So, you know, he just, I think he just looked solid. You know, you're going to come away watching him being like, yeah, he's fine. Um, but I think that in this class, you know, I think that's a lot better than some of these other guys. Um, like the guy you're going to talk about, don't think a lot about him as a pro prospect. Um, you know, Ian Book, don't really think a lot of him as a pro prospect like we talked about. So I do think that the Davis Mills is a guy who's going to get taken probably, you know, late third round, I think, in the NFL draft. And that's more or less just due to the need of quarterbacks and how much he could just, he just looks like he's going to be at least a solid backup quarterback. So I, he's a guy that, like I said, he keeps climbing up my rankings. So, but I know you have something you want to say about this. Yeah. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Um, 
for what I'm about to say. So um, I, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was two campus lives ago, we talked a little bit about Arkansas State. And yeah. I talked, we talked a little bit about Lane Hatcher, who's going to be their quarterback next year. And I said that I had, that he was my lowest rated quarterback prospect that I watched in this year's class. He was QB 26 for me coming into the year. Hatcher was, and he was one of two players that I had coming into the year with a grade that was tier six, which for me means I will never be interested in you no matter what. <laughs> so he was one of two. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this. The other guy was David Smells. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say that I have heard people say that he looked better this year and I haven't watched him from this year yet. So maybe my opinion will be changed <laughs> slightly when I go to watch him in a couple of weeks, if I can get to it. But right now he is my, he, he was my QB 25 coming into the year. He's moved up a little bit, basically just because guys have opted back into school. Um, yeah, I have like three pros for him. I, I do. <laughs> Uh, after a while, I watched three games last year, including two of them were all 22, which was which was nice that I was able to get my hands on a couple of those. But I basically said that he's prototypical size for a quarterback, and he moves pretty well for a big guy, um, you know, more than maybe you would think just by first look. And he is really strong in like a quick hitting offensive scheme, like kind of West Coast is West Coast ish, yeah. almost like we talked about with Dylan Gabriel last show, that allows him to just kind of know what that first read or maybe second read is supposed to be, and to just hit it like really quick and in in perfect time. And those were literally the only pros that I had. <laughs> I wrote that he struggles a lot when he rolls out of the pocket, left or yeah. right. Like it, usually you at least like if a quarterback's a righty, he can do okay rolling to his right or vice versa. But I thought he was really bad going both directions, which is really not good. Um, I think he fails to get his shoulder square a lot and he relies yeah. a lot on his arm. Like he's definitely an arm thrower. So mechanically he has a lot of things that he would need to clean up there. He's generally inaccurate on throws that are more than 10 yards downfield. He does not possess accuracy and touch that, that are NFL quality. He misses high. He lacks general awareness of the rush while in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you can't I, I haven't seen him complete a single pass outside the hashes that requires him to put some zip on the ball i wrote although he is mobile he struggles or i i put i put at, although he is mobile he also struggles to throw on the run rendering his athleticism at his size mostly useless <laughs> at best mills will be a camp body because of his athletic capabilities and his pedigree at stanford and as a four-star prospect coming out of high school pro comp the shown kaiser as a pro not as a prospect Interesting. I, I, there was literally like nothing there when I watched last year that I was excited about, but like I've heard smart people and now you've said it too, say that he looked solid this year. I really thought when he came out, like when he announced he was coming out, I was like, dude, like don't, don't do that. I thought you were smart. Um, I, so I don't know. I mean, uh, he just doesn't have any traits that like I love to be honest, like right. to, to keep him hanging around in the NFL, but neither does Charlie Whitehurst. And that dude's made a lot of money just holding the clipboard. So, you know, I think best case scenario, he's Charlie Whitehurst. <laughs> um, so I think his best case scenario is like a Kirk cousins type where he comes in, nobody really expects him to do anything, you know, and then he just steadily gets better. Cause I don't, I didn't think a ton of Kirk cousins in college, you know, and then he just ends up being a passable, starting NFL quarterback. Um, although you pretty much disagreed with a lot of my points there. Um, you know, I, like I said, I thought he looked pretty poised in the pocket. Um, you know, he just, and that could just be his like calm demeanor too. Uh, you know, he didn't, 
he just like he never reacted to it, which is like can be really good. But it's also really bad when you just have guys breathing down your neck and you're just like, like <laughs> back there. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, it, maybe he's really poised. Maybe he's just like really stupid. I don't know. Like, he's got all this stuff going on around him and just hanging out. So, yeah, well, I, I like seeing him just him hang in there because you see him take some shots and deliver the ball. Um, you know, he didn't get gun shy from the rush, uh, which I, like I said, I liked to see that. I don't like to see guys who just like drop their eyes to the rush and then tuck or anything like that like he kept his eyes downfield so you know that was something i liked to see but i definitely think we both agree that his ability to throw on the run and throw off platform is not good right now and definitely needs to improve um which like i said you know i don't think he's going to be a guy nobody's going to expect him to come in and start so you know i think if, if he can come in and he can work on that a little bit or even get in a system that doesn't necessarily need him to get out on outside the pocket too much um you know i think he'll be i think he's a guy like i said be a solid backup quarterback for a long time with the potential to step in and be a passable starting quarterback Um, and i I will say that he has jumped three guys in my rankings actually okay Um, just because of like from people that i trust saying that he has looked moderately better than he did last year he jumped KJ Costello, who I have watched like whatever games he played this year. And he was just like, I yeah. bumped Costello's a tier six guy for me. Now. <laughs> He's like a classic, like quarterback, like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane kind of yeah. guy. Uh, and then he's also jumped Adrian Martinez for me. And then Sean Clifford is my lowest rated quarterback in this year's class. He's a tier six player. When I talk yeah, about he, a, not an NFL quality arm. Like, Hey, I agree with that. If, is there a tier seven? Can you put Clifford in tier seven? I mean, I do have like a couple guys that I haven't watched it hanging out below that. So technically, Clifford is above two names, but like <laughs> it's just guys that I haven't watched yet. So I would imagine at least Felipe Franks ends up above him. He's one of the two guys I haven't watched yet. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's quarterbacking is like like uh, analyzing those guys is is an art. It's not a science yeah. at all. Like it really, really isn't. And I think like I've been off on so many guys and on on guys that people other people think suck like i think that's just the nature of like nfl teams bat like yeah. 400 on it you know what i mean like, if they can't do it how do you, how do you expect me on my couch to do that? <laughs> you know, you're really selling us you're really selling us right now so um so i chose a guy and i he's definitely like considered a better prospect than davis mills but the other guys i have in mills's tier are um brady white who i almost talked about tonight but i haven't watched enough yet to like really come on here and feel comfortable about it because i could just see my, myself talking him up and then like two weeks from now sitting down to watch him and being like oh crap like i just typed this dude up on the show and he's not very good and I, I have ian book in a tier with him as well those are the other guys i have hanging out with him and i have so i have mond just above those guys kellen mond from texas a&m and um this is probably a little bit of a cheating thing because i talked about him on debbie debate draft profile last week and i've, I've watched a lot of kellen mond um if you're taking a quarterback that late, like I'm just looking at traits at that point. Do you have one or two traits that maybe I think that could help you stick on a roster for a couple of years? And because Mon needs some developing, like he's not going to go in there sure. right away and look good. So he needs some things that he does that, that will look, it will flash enough for coaches to be like, okay, let's keep this kid around for a few years and see what he can do. He is, I mean, he was a former four-star kid, really high-end kind of kid coming out of high school from IMG. He's um, 
very mobile. He was a dual. Th- I mean, he's listed as a dual threat, and he is a true dual threat kid. Um, he has like he has a very wonky throwing motion, but it's quick. So like I don't think teams are really going to mess with it that much because it because it, it is re- mostly a, a quick release. Uh, I think his arm strength is more than passable. Um, he has shown at times that he can progress through reads, but he's always like real, like a, like a, almost a full second late on it. Like he, he is really the definition of a see it, throw it kind of quarterback, which is why I think that if he can get faster at processing and making that decision to throw the ball, then I think he has a shot to hang around. Like, I think his ceiling is like Dak before this year. You know what I mean? Where it was considered like right around like the 10th best quarterback in the league, but it took him a couple years to build there where it was like, you know, people were saying, well, it's just the team he has around him. Like, I, I, like, I think that's the kind of quarterback he can be like Dak in his formative NFL years. I don't think he has the ceiling to get what to what Dak did this past year. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm looking for traits. He can run. We like quarterbacks that can run. He could be a guy where he comes in, he sits for a year, somebody gets hurt next year, he he slides in and plays well, and then he, maybe we're talking about something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right with Mond. I mean, I think he he has potential to stick around for a while, but I just I didn't like really what I saw of him from like a pro prospect. Like you said, he just like I don't know, he just doesn't process the game at a very fast rate. Like definitely very see it, throw it. And I don't think see it, throw it guys typically in typically last long in the league. Like if you don't have any anticipation at all, it's tough to tough to make it in the league. I mean, obviously Dak has, you know, but Dak also does have, you know, a lot of wide receiver talent there. And I think Dak has developed a lot since his days at uh, Mississippi state. And I think Kellen Moore, the OC there, I think he has a lot to do with helping Dak develop just as a quarterback, just because, Kellen Moore is just a really smart guy, really, uh, you know, everybody in the league regards him pretty highly. I think he'll be a, an OC candidate, head coach candidate here soon. I think you'll hear that. But so I think he's helped Dak a lot. Um, whereas I don't, Kellen Mond, if he gets into a system like that, maybe, but, you know, I don't know. He just, he just doesn't really do it for me. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. He'd be a great backup there, to be honest. It's like something similar to what you already have. I mean, I know that. Well, is Dalton was Dalton like a one year guy? Uh, it's a great question. I thought it was a two year deal. Okay, so I was um, saying like he'd be the perfect backup where you know, or maybe bring him as the third string this year, and then after Dalton leaves in a year. No, you're right. He's, one he's, year. One year. Okay, because he's like the same as Dak, like in terms of you know, I like I think he's very similar stylistically and everything. So I think he'd be like the nice guy where you don't have to change that much. I mean, maybe you simplify things, but you don't, you don't change the offense that much if, if something happens to Dak again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I guess that's, I think he's just like a very watered down version of Dak. Like if Dak is like a nice, like classy, like IPA, then Kellen Mond is like Bud Light. Hmm. Sometimes I like to drink Bud Light if I'm drinking a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe you were drinking a lot when you watched him. Mon play. Maybe that's why you have wow. him so high. There's no, there's no need for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on before we get in trouble here. Before I, before I say something I regret. Um, all right. So yeah, we'll move on to running back and I'll, I'll, I'll have another zinger planned by the time call. <laughs> <we> talk again. <laughs> so, um, Colin, you have a guy here, uh, you're really picking guys from academic schools. 
uh, tonight I noticed here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the smart guys, you know, you don't want to, you don't want a Dwayne Haskins out there, which, I mean, I don't know anything about Dwayne Haskins in the classroom. He's just kind of a knucklehead. Um, but yeah, the guy for my running back position here that, that I think is a pretty deep sleeper. He's a guy that I've liked for a little while now. Um, it's Deion Jackson out of Duke. And I mean, he has prototypical size, you know, six foot, 210. Um, and on 24-7 sports, they have his verified 40 results as a 4-3-7 coming out, which when There's I watch no way. Yeah, that really surprised me. I mean, when I watch him, he's definitely fast. You know, he has the ability to take it to the house on pretty much any play. But if he runs a 4-3-7 at the combine, I'll be shocked. Uh, I think he's probably more of a 4-4-7 guy. I think that's probably a little bit better, a little more realistic. Uh, but I mean, like I said, you know, he's definitely fast. You know, and he gets up the sp- top speed very quickly as well. So maybe he's just a really good at running the 40. I don't know. Yeah. But he, like I said, he has a really good acceleration. Um, so he has the athleticism there that you're looking for to go along with that size. He's a size speed guy for sure. Um, but I think he also has good footwork too. You know, he's pretty shifty, um, you know, in the hole. He's got pretty good lateral agility. Um, you know, and he follow, he sets up, follows his blocks pretty well. So it's just solid vision. Um, you know, it's not great, solid. Uh, but he also is a very good pass catcher, which is something that really like stands out to me when I watch him. You know, they line him out wide, up out wide. They line him up out there a bunch. And he looks very natural catching the ball. They have him run a variety of routes. So he's definitely a plus in the pass game. And I think he could really develop into a weapon. Um, so, you know, you, when you combine the size and the speed with that pass catching ability, you know, he's definitely got three down skill set there. And I think he's got enough technically as a running back where, you know, I think he's a guy that I think if he, I don't know if he'll get drafted, you know, he might be a late day three guy. Um, but I, I, he's a guy that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Um, you know, you'd like to see him use a little bit more power for his size, but he does have pretty good contact balance. You know, you'll see him bounce off some guys, spin, you know, spin off some tackles a little bit and he'll keep his legs driving and try and push for, for extra yards, but he doesn't always push the pile, uh, like you want to see. So I don't know how great he's going to be at the goal line. Um, and he does run a little bit high, but it is not anything I'm overly concerned about. Um, it's just something to note. Uh, but I think his biggest issue is going to be his patience. You know, he does have a tendency to run up onto the back of his lineman at times. And I think part of that potentially could be Duke's O-line just getting blasted back by like Notre Dame and Clemson and, and some of those games. So that could be potentially part of it. Uh, but I do want to see him improve his patience. Um, and he does try to get moving too fast at times. You know, He tries to go zero to 100 real quick. You know, you know he's fast. He knows he's fast. And... You know, he, he tries to, he just tries to get to full speed right away, but doing that, he doesn't really get caught up going East West too much, which you do see that a lot with some speed guys sometimes. So I do like that. He always is looking to get upfield. Um, so he's not a name that I've really heard anybody talk about. He's not on a senior bowl invite list or anything like that. So I think he's a guy who's going to stay really under the radar all off season, but he's definitely a guy that's on my watch list. I'd be very interested to see where he ends up. Yeah, I really, really liked him two off seasons ago, and um, I kind of expected him to kind of kick on a little bit from what he flashed that like his second year there at Duke, and <clears throat> um, 
he's kind of just gradually kind of fallen down my rankings. Like I had him as a tier four guy, which is like a mid-ish day three grade two years ago. And then I had him a tier five guy, which is like late day three. And now I have him right at the top of my tier six. So that's like straddling between like this late seventh round slash uh, priority on draft to free agent guy. Um, the big thing that scares me about him is like I said, he was pretty good two years ago and he's like per touch and volume wise has gone down every year statistically statistically. And he was outperformed in like every metric this year by, uh, Mateo Durant, who's there, who, um, uh, I like him a lot. So if you're looking for a, a he might be owned in your leagues. He might not be. He's kind of owned to those 50, 50 C two C guys that are, that's on a roster. Um, I'd go get him. Cause with Jackson leaving, he's going to lead that backfield next year. And I, I, I really, really do like him a lot. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Jackson's a good call. He's definitely a forgotten name. And like you said, if he runs a four, three, seven, like, yeah, he's going to shoot up draft boards. I didn't see that at all on tape, but no. like, you know, you never know with some, I mean, like you said, like running a 40 is a skill. Yeah. Like, you know, there are guys that are really fast as we saw, like the, you know, Jalen Reeker, he might've gained a little too much weight, but he's a guy where like everyone thought he was really fast and he ran at 40 and it kind of sucked because it is like, there are tips and tricks and all those kinds of things you can do to, to improve those times. So, um, if he runs a four, three, seven, I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, this dude's like, a, maybe he should go try out for the Olympic team or something. Cause yeah, like I said, I mean, with people tend to look for those size speed guys. So, you know, if, if you see on player profiler, he has, you know, some 90th percentile speed scores, you know, 90 percentile burst score thing, something like that, you know, and I think people start to hype him up a little bit more, but I still think he's a guy who's going to stay mostly under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a very, it, it, took me back a little bit to like remembering <laughs> the times where I was really hyped on him. And I, I hope, cause I, he seems like a nice kid and I, I hope that, that, uh, that works out for him. Um, uh, so my guy's job, my first guy. So I, I'm going to say, like I said earlier, like, especially at running back in this class, there are really no deep guys that I really truly like in this class. I really liked Brian Robinson. He's probably the guy that would have, closest qualified for me but he just declared that he's going back to alabama which kill me now because now yeah. this that like not only does that tank his stock because he's there for another year but now like trey sanders and jace mcclellan and keelan robinson and all these guys are still Kamar wheaton and, yeah i mean like well did you have you heard about Kamar wheaton might be following what's his name texas oh he hasn't signed anything and apparently there's like i've i've heard chatter that the guy that recruited him is also going to texas to coach yeah, so there's some that'll be that'll be something we'll have to get into a little bit because I was listening to a really interesting uh, podcast about that. So we'll get into that a little bit more on C2C. But oh, sorry, go ahead. That would be so fun because he was supposed to go to Oklahoma. That'd be amazing. <laughs> he, he would never be able to cross state lines ever, ever, yeah. ever again. Um, but yeah, so so that just kind of mucked all that up. Like we talked, I, I, I like Spencer Brown as like a late round guy, but. I don't like like he, he doesn't make me excited to talk about Spencer Brown. So I ended up deciding on Josh Johnson, who's a guy that might not even be that deep of a sleeper, but I will say that he has slipped down boards a ton this season from what I've yeah. seen. And I'm not even sure if he has officially declared. I could, I found nothing that said that he had declared, but it also found nothing that said he had officially said he was going back. So I'll talk about him and maybe he goes back. Um, and Right. Well, uh, something else too that you know it's worth mentioning is the N- NFL did say that you know guys can have until March first to 
declare whether they're going to go back for their senior year of eligibility. So underclassmen still have to declare by the 18th, I think it is, of January. But seniors, can, yeah, seniors can wait until March 1st. So you know, you're just going to have to hear us all off season for like another month and a half. Say, well, if this guy goes back, yeah, and then we'll and then we never have to say it again. I'm so excited right. for it. Um, so, I mean, he got hurt this year. He, he was dinged up. So he, he pretty much across the board, statistically, he was, you know, much poorer than he was the year before. But I was, I really, really liked him coming into the year. I had Josh Johnson as my RB. Um, let me look at this here before I say something dumb. Wait, where is he? Maybe he's in my October rankings. I had him RB twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah, which which ahead of like guys like Cameron Harris, Kylan Hill. Um I had him ahead of Jamar Jefferson. Jefferson would have would have hopped him by now anyway. Um, but he's a guy, he has like that, he has a really nice running back build. He's really low center of gravity. Like he's like um um oh what are those trucks called that are like so close to the ground that like you know what i mean <laughs> like he's a low rider man yeah. like he, he is it's really really impressive how like difficult he is to tackle because he just like you bounce off him because he's just yeah he's 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 built like a perfect running back he i mean we say this about like every kid from college that like isn't a great athlete but like moves pretty well and like can break some tackles and we comp him to cream hunt but there was definitely a lot of that in in watching him play um, his saw his junior year there, and he's a pretty good pass catcher too. Um, he caught let me see it here. He caught thirteen balls as a junior, and he caught eighteen as a senior. Um, and like see, he like he was so banged up this year. He only averaged three point four yards per reception, but last year he averaged almost ten. And I think that's more telling of his true ability than the three point four was this year. Um, and I think he definitely is going to be forgotten if he declares because he just was so bad this year. And that's going to be my the other guy I'm going to talk about. It's the same exact way. Yeah, I think that's like the big thing there with with Josh Johnson is I think he'll qualify more for like a post hype sleeper. So, you know, if you are in a C2C league, you know, he was probably owned coming into this year. But, you know, after after this year, you know, when the guy from UL Monroe isn't really performing, you know, that's the type of guy that people have a tendency to drop, uh, you know, and pick up like the latest hot name. So he might, I think there's definitely a possibility that he's available in, you know, your average C2C league after that's a bit of a disappointing year this year where you know, he only had 300 yards rushing. So, yeah. you know, I definitely think there's a possibility that he ended up being available. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a, you have a post type sleeper kind of guy for your second guy here too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I actually, that's literally my first note here. Are you looking at my note sheet or do I, did I publish that? <laughs> uh, no, my first note here is more of a post type sleeper, um, but that's Rakeem Boyd uh, out of Arkansas. So, you know, he's a guy who that people, people hyped up pretty good, uh, you know, after last year where he had, um, you know, pretty much a breakout year there with 180, 184 carries, 1100 yards and eight touchdowns, 19 catches, 160 yards on the ground. Uh, so he had a, he hit a big year there and, you know, people were hyping him up. And then this year, you know, he's banged up only plays six games before he opt out uh, on December 1st. The only good game that he had was against Texas where he had a uh, Texas A&M, sorry, where he had a hundred yards. Um, but you know, so I, I think he, he's a guy that everybody's like down on right now, but you know, when you, 
when you look at, at his story too, you know, he came from last chance you uh, it's the third season at an independence community college in Kansas. Um, you know, he was a three-star Juco guy. Uh, you know, in that year he had 1200 yards on the ground, uh, 14 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, you like to see those, those last chance you stories, you know, and if anybody watched that, you know, they're definitely, he's already on their radar. Uh, but after, after this year, you know, I'm sure he fell down people's boards a lot, but you know, he has a three down skill set. you know, like, like I said there, he has 19 catches this year, um, you know, or 19 catches last year. Sorry. Uh, he had what was it 10 catches this year through six games. So not a ton of production on the ground, but he had 23 catches his sophomore year. Um, so he has that three down skill set. He looks good catching the ball. You know, he's, he's a plus in the past game, but he's probably never going to be a true weapon. Um, you know, but for his size, it's six foot two oh six. He's got good contact balance too. You know, he's, he t- keeps his legs churning. Um, you know, fight for those extra yards. He's not an easy guy to tackle, uh, but he also has good speed too. On top of that, so I think he is a guy who's going to test pretty well at the combine if he is healthy coming off of that injury. Um, so you know, I think he's a guy that'll kind of climb the rankings back up here a little bit. But you know, he's a guy that like with Josh Johnson, where you know people. Hyped him up, but then, you know, after he didn't really do much this year, you know, maybe they dropped him, um, you know, because he only had 300 yards rushing this year. So he's a guy who still could be available there for your C2C league. Or, you know, you're looking at a guy who's probably a fourth round rookie pick right now. But like you said, he was a guy who people were really high on. So, and I know he's a guy that you had turned me on to initially, actually. Yeah, he just looks so bad this year. I don't know if he, maybe there was some other underlying injury issue. Um, like I, he just looked like a plotter this year, to be honest. Um, he was outperformed. I thought Trey, like the offense looked much better when Traylon Smith was in there. Than yes, when, yeah. Which said, like they had two guys in their offense named Traylon this year. <laughs> like, what are the freaking odds? Um, so I think NFL teams might like Boyd more than uh, the general public does after this down year, depending on what like his medical information is that we obviously don't have any access to right and like i said too i think he is a guy who's going to test pretty well at the combine if he's healthy because you, you mentioned he looked like a plotter this year but if you watched him last year uh you know he broke off some big runs you know he was a threat to take it to the house uh and he had the speed to get the edge on some of his outside carries too so you know i think he'll test well if People watch more of last year's tape as opposed to this year's tape. He could be a guy that the NFL does like a bit more than the general public. Yeah, I think that's fair. And my my other guy here is kind of like a post hype sleeper and like the softest sense of the word post hype <laughs> because this dude wasn't really getting that much. But he's he's another guy where he had a really good junior year. He came back this year and got hurt, and so his and he's like a, a G five guy or whatever. So his stats are are really bad this year. And I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. It's Justin Henderson from Louisiana tech. I went, I went back to back Louisiana schools here. Um, as a, as a junior, he had over a thousand yards rushing about five and a half yards per carry 15 touchdowns. And then he caught 24 balls last year too. And averaged about 8.3 yards per reception, which the, the, like if, if to be like a legitimate weapon in the receiving game in college, you probably want to see them averaging double digits, but that's not terrible either to be averaging that much. Um, you know. No, that's definitely a, in that plus category, I think. Yeah. yeah, and he looks comfortable doing it too. Like it's not just a guy that was, um, you know, getting them by default basically because that was a decent team that year. Uh, I think they beat Miami in whatever bowl game they played in. Yeah. Um, 
which maybe says more about the state of Miami at that particular time than it did about Louisiana Tech, but whatever. Um, the big thing, like, like I said, he got hurt this year, and then they lost three, I think, starting offensive linemen from last year, and their starting quarterback, um, uh, Jamar Smith. Um, I'm pretty sure is the name. Um, I think he's floating around the league. He was with the, I want to say he was with the Pats or something. Um, yeah, that sounds right. I'm not super well versed on the, the Louisiana tech quarterbacking tree. Yeah, so. That is his name. And he, he's a free agent now. I don't think he, I don't okay. think he's stuck around with anybody after camp. Um, but for like a school of that size, he was probably, he's probably like their best quarterback of all time or whatever. The offense took like a huge step back this year. Henderson took a huge step back this year. I'm not really sure how he's going to test athletically. He doesn't look bad, but at a G five school, you kind of want to see a guy like he doesn't have to be, you know, a monster out there athletically, but I, I wanted to see him be superior to most guys at least. And I'm not sure he was. And the other scary thing, and I have, I cannot validate this at all. I have no idea if this is true or not, <clears throat> but Roto world says he's 24. Oh yeah. He was born in 96. I like had to triple check that. Like when I, when I was reading it, I was like 96, like, you know, so that, that's not super good either. If he was beaten up a bunch of 18 year old kids at the age of 23. Uh, but like I said, I just, I don't love any of these late running backs. I'm sure one will break out at some point, but like I looked at like Caleb Huntley for this thing tonight and he doesn't move that well laterally. He's kind of just a bowling ball. I looked at, um, well, I talked about Spencer Brown, so I wasn't going to talk about him again this week. Um, I looked at talking about maybe like Stevie Scott, but I don't even know if he's declared and I only kind of like, like there's just like guys like, I'm just like, okay, like they're, I kind of like them. Um, yeah. I mean, you can always talk about my guy, CJ Maribel, you know, everybody's sick of talking or hearing me talk about it. Actually, I was, I was watching, um, McCall the other day and I was like, oh man, there's, there's Maribel again. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Where you don't go into to that, that's looking for him. And then he kind of pops and you're like, oh, who's this kid? Which those are the kind of guys that are like the most fun to find when you're yeah. not your main focus. Um, so that's really all I have to say about Henderson. I don't think he even really deserves any more time on this show, to be honest. Um, no, I mean, he's definitely an interesting name there. And I don't even know if he's necessarily a post hype sleeper because I'm sure he's available in, in your average C2C league too. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure he's available. You know, he's maybe he's probably going to be a guy who does go undrafted in the NFL draft. So he'll probably go undrafted in your rookie draft as well. Um, so, you know, I don't know who knows, maybe he ends up being the next James Robinson, but yeah. Yeah. Which we talked about last week. Right. And we had, uh, yeah. <laughs> and our guys for that. Um, yeah. So wide receiver, you picked a guy at first year that I, I really like. He disappointed a bit this year, but I was another Pac-12 guy. So, right. I mean, we said a bunch of times, it's kind of hard to judge those guys. Um, so so tell us a little bit about uh, Frank Darby. Yeah, so this Frank Darby is a guy that I am, I'm really excited about too. I was really looking forward to seeing him this year and finally see him be the guy for Arizona State. Um, you know, he was behind Nikhil Harry and then Nikhil Harry goes out, but then you have Brandon Ayuk come in. He was a Juco guy. So Ayuk was the guy last year. Um, but even with Ayuk the there last year, he did post a 28.5% dominator rating. So it's pretty solid overall stats. Uh, it was, uh, 31 catches, 616 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, so that's a lot of where you saw the hype coming into this year, uh, that, and you know, his frame too, where he just got that prototypical size at six, one, 200 pounds. But the, the thing that this year was he only played in two out of the four games that Arizona State played. Uh, you know, he had a rib injury early, 
you know, he came back and then he did miss the last game of the year due to family issues, according to the athletic. Um, so with only playing two years or two games in such a weird year, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to hold that against him. Um, and he is a senior bowl guy too. So it's going to be really interesting to see him at the senior bowl. I think there's a very real chance that he ends up being the most impressive wide receiver at the senior bowl. And you, every year you see somebody go to the senior bowl and break out who you're not really expecting. You know, there was Cooper cup did it. Um, and then, you know, Debo Samuel kind of did it that shot him up draft boards last year. Denzel Mims did it. He shot up draft boards. I think Frank Darby is the guy who could be that this year. Um, now I did have in my notes here that the caveat is I really hope they don't pair Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony together. Um, cause that's going to give, uh, that's going to give them an advantage and make them look really good. But if they don't, or if, you know, maybe on the other side, I think Frank Darby's a guy who could look really good coming into the, into the off season after the senior bowl and really rise up draft boards. You'd, you'd think they'd have to separate those two, right? Because you want to see what they do with other people like that. You're not seeing anything if those two are throwing together. Right. I hope they do, but you never really know. I don't really know how that works. Um, But, you know, into Frank Darby as a prospect, you know, I think he has a really good release off the line. He was really quick feet. Um, You know, he varies his, his moves off the line. You see him hit with a jab step here. You know, sometimes you see him with a stutter step. So I think he's got a really good release. Um, and then he has really sharp breaks on his routes too. Uh, you know, he'll vary his speed in and out of his routes. He'll use fakes, double moves, uses very effectively. So I think he's a very good route runner. And I think that's going to be something that really translates with him. Um, and then that also translates to him being potentially a yak threat too, because he's shifty with the ball in his hands and he does have good long speed. Um, you know, you see the 2019 game against Oregon where he just, you know, he's just shaking guys off left and right, making a miss. And then has like a big touchdown run off of like a uh, drag, like a drag route over the middle. So, you know, he has that yak ability and that home run hitting ability too. Uh, but he can also, he also catches the ball very well. I think he has good hands. I don't think in the, the four games that I watched of him, I don't think I saw him drop a pass at all. Uh, so he has strong hands and he can get physical too. He hangs on through contact. So uh, he's a guy that I love his traits there for. I think he tracks the ball well too in the air and has, has adjusted to the ball pretty well. Um, so I did definitely want to see more of him this year than just two games. I'm probably, honestly, I'm probably, well, I'll probably watch those games because I do want to, I'm going to watch them for J- uh, Jaden Daniels. So I'll definitely watch them, but I'm not going to put a lot of stock in those two games. Yeah, um, I he reminded me a lot, like, and I'm not comp to saying he's going to be this type of NFL or this level of NFL player, but he reminds me stylistically a lot of Juju. Yes, that's like actually exactly that's kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Juju. Um, which, as a huge Steelers fan, I I really really like Juju. He's that he's the best wide receiver on that roster. Don't don't be fooled by Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool. He's the best wide receiver on that roster. It's a really big bummer that he has, that he's going to be leaving this offseason. But that Darby reminds me a lot of him. I I, I like him a lot, and he's he's another guy where he, he didn't fall at all for me. He just got jumped by some other guys. So right. I I hope that he does really well at the Senior Bowl. Um, I don't know, like I don't know what's going to go on with that because it does seem like they gave out more invites this year. Have you looked at the it, list? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I have it pulled up here. Um, they did invite a lot of wide receivers yeah. this year. 
And um, there were a lot there last year, I thought. Yeah. Now there's even more. Um, so I don't exactly, I don't know what to expect at all. Um, out of you know any sort of you know what we're gonna gain from from seeing these guys compete. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, the guy that you're going to talk about too, your first guy, he's also on that senior bowl list. So I think that'll make things interesting there. But like you said, there's just such a, a lot of guys here on the senior bowl wide receiver list. There's what, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15, 16 wide receivers going this year. So that's a deep, deep pool. Um, so, but I, like I said, I do think Darby's the guy who can really stand out there. I think he could emerge from this being the most impressive guy. Yeah. Um, and you, you kind of teed that up. So I'll just jump right into, uh, Dwayne Eskridge, who is probably my favorite sleeper type guy in this year's draft. Um, I, I saw like two or three games into the year, he was averaging over 30 yards per reception (laughs) and he's, he still finished at, um, like 23.3 yards. So it's not like. It, it was not sustainable to, to average 30 yards per reception, but I mean, he's just such a, he's a very dynamic athlete. He is five, nine, one ninety, So he's small, but he's not like super tiny. Like you would think maybe a kid from Western Michigan that was playing in the Mac would be, um, he like, like that suggests, you know, his, his averages. Cause he's very, very fast laser time four three three forty a couple years ago. Um, and it's not like this year, like he actually averaged more yards per reception in 2019. Yeah. Um, he's just like insanely fast. He's an interesting profile because he played corner for a while too. Like he played both ways um, for a, for a time at Western Michigan. And, um, and he was like listed as a running back for a time in his recruiting. And you can see it when he gets the ball in his hands. Like he definitely has kind of that little bit of a dog running back mentality. Um, where like I, I'm not gonna you know say Tyreek Hill like I there Tyreek Hill is a unicorn. There is no right. other Tyreek Hill. There won't be another Tyreek Hill like maybe for like another sixty or seventy years. It's just such an odd profile of a player. But that's like kind of the bucket that he almost falls into in terms of what his skill set is and what his athletic profile is, and with his unique background where he also can kind of fit in there. And, and you think of him as you know a very 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 like he's not even like the Bud Light compared to the nice IPA. He's like. What's even worse? He's like Natty Light or something, like compared to Tyreek's <laughs> IPA, um, which is still like I mean, that's still a useful player. I mean, I think he can be a special I team. You were going to say useful beer. I was like, don't get out, get out of here with your Natty Light takes. All, all beers are useful one way or another, Colin. Come on now. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Let's let's not act like there wasn't a time where we were in college and a a natty light sounded, you know, once we got a couple beers in us, a natty light didn't sound that bad. No, there was never a point where I was like, natty light doesn't sound that bad. I mean, if it's unfortunately in college, like that's a lot of what the kegs were. If anybody got one, a lot of like ours were like natty light kegs. So like, fine, you know, it's a keg, but I, I've never enjoyed it. Yeah. So, well, I didn't say you had to enjoy it. I say you didn't hate it. Like there is a difference between saying something's good and something's not bad. Like if someone says I'm good at something, I'm like, oh, cool. If they're like, they say, oh, he's not bad at it. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, thanks. Quite hit the same. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm in, I, I, I have no idea where he's going to go in the NFL draft though. Like you could tell me he's going to go like early mid round four. And I'd be like, yeah, I could totally see that. And then you could say that he goes like late day three. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I could see that too. 
He is my wide receiver 19 right now. He's sandwiched right between Brennan Eagles and Daz Newsom for me in my in my rankings here. Um, above like some other like big names, like he's above um, Tyler Bonds, Demonte Coxey, Jonathan Adams Jr. A little bit above Darby for me at this point. Um, all the Michigan guys <laughs> from the past couple of years, Trevon Grimes, like he's ahead of some pretty nice names. So. I, yeah, I, I think he's intriguing. He'll probably, I'll probably have a really high uh, ownership percentage of him across my league just because he's going to be virtually free this offseason. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who in your C2C, he might have been taken. I know uh, somebody picked him up uh, off of waivers this year um, at the beginning of the year for us. So because he broke out, um, you know, pretty strongly this year. He may have been taken, may have been scooped up this year. Whereas a guy like we were mentioning, like Rakeem Boyd and Josh Johnson may have been dropped. Somebody, maybe somebody dropped them for him for Eckridge or Eskridge. I don't know. But, you know, I think you're right. I think he's a guy who that four, three, three laser time is just ridiculous. And I think that could lead to him being drafted a little bit higher than people think. I think I, that's going to lead him being like you were saying, like the round four, like mid round four, because guys who are that fast, but also, you know, have like some solid production too. And I know Western Michigan, I mean, um, PJ flex, not there anymore, but I still think they're fairly well respected at least as far as like wide receivers go. So I think you could see him go earlier than, than people think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your other guy here is a guy. It's a guy that I like too, and I think he's starting to get a little bit of hype. Um, yeah, he is. But maybe not where he should be. Right. And yeah, the guy that the guy that I'm going to talk about next here is Amir Smith Marset. Um, you know, he's a guy that I another guy like Frank Darby that I had on my radar coming into this year, and I was like, you know, keeping an eye on him and and really hoping he broke out. And you know, he didn't have a bad year this year by any means. Um, you know, seven or seven games, 25 catches, 345 yards, four touchdowns, um, you know, seven carries on the ground, 51 or 54 yards and a touchdown too. So he was productive, but he didn't take that next step quite like I wanted him to see. And a lot of that I think could have to do with Iowa's, you know, just offense as a whole, not being great. Um, you know, outside of tight end, you don't really think of anybody and the occasional running back, you know, you don't really think of anybody being skill position wise, quarterback, wide receiver being good there. Um, you know, I honestly, I can't even name the last good Iowa wide receiver. Um, so, you know, he, he kind of disappointed a little bit, fell back down under the radar, but he's definitely a guy to put back on your watch list. Um, now at six, one, one seventy nine, he definitely does need to add some weight and you can tell he looks slight on film you know so you want to see him probably add at least 10 pounds uh, but i think he can add at least 10 pounds and i think that the, i don't think he's going to lose athleticism there too because you know he's a very fluid athlete right now he's shifty he's got very good long speed definitely a yak threat like i was saying kind of similarly to darby um so i think he can add that weight and not lose too much but one of the things that i really like about smith marset is he has really good hands uh, you know, he catches the ball away from his frame very comfortably, and he makes some really nice, like, one-handed catches here and there. Um, you know, he adjusts the ball really well, which you're going to see a lot with the Iowa quarterbacks throwing him because they kind of put it all over the place. So, it's good to see. <laughs> it's good to see him be able to make adjustments 
but I think he's really tough at the catch point too for his size. You know, see, you see him take some pretty big shots and then just hang on to the ball. Um, you know, like we we're saying, kind of post hype sleeper ish because um, he did have a pretty big junior year. Um, you know, he had a twenty seven point seven percent dominator rating. Um, you know, he had forty four catches, seven hundred and twenty two yards, and five touchdowns. And then that also doesn't even include the rushing production from last year where he had 108 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So he's really versatile too. And he was the Big Ten kick returner of the year in 2018. So you see him. Like, Damn, he's been there for forever. <laughs> 2018. Um, so, you see, so you see that versatility there, that skill set that you like, where I think he's definitely going to be a guy who gets drafted. Um, if nothing else, again, just for his um, his kick return ability combined with his wide receiver ability. So he'll probably go in the same range as Eskridge in the NFL draft and probably in the same range in your you know rookie draft, C2C drafts as well. So I think he's a guy definitely to put back on your watch list to keep an eye on him in the uh, in the fourth round. Yeah, I was just like going through the last like 15 years of Iowa receiving statistics and li- literally the only names I recognize are tight ends. Like, yeah, there's nobody no else. Um, exactly. So it would it would definitely be bucking a trend for him to go in the NFL and do it and be a, a, a good wide receiver. But I, I think he'll, he'll have a roster spot for a long time because, yeah, like you said, he's just a really good returner. Um, that yeah, he'll stick around. Like he he can be like uh, similar to like Ray Ray McLeod was for the yeah. Steelers this year, where he's thrown in there in some some gadgety type plays, and then you know, let him return kicks, and he can do all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, like I think that versatility lets him stick around on a roster spot. But I don't want to just you know say that to knock his wide receiver ability too, because I think he definitely shows the ability to be a good route runner. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, he's he's got that good lateral agility too. So. You know, he's, he can be quick in and out of his breaks at times. And he does mix in some fakes and some double moves here. So, you know, I think that's definitely something he's flashed the ability to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and as good as anything that you're going to find late in the draft to, to right. take a chance on. Um, so my my last receiver here is Jalen Darden, um, who I think is like, like Smith-Marset starting to get a little more hype because he had this huge senior year. He had 74 catches, 1,190 yards, and 19 touchdowns. Um, the kid just was was most of North Texas offense ran through Jalen Darden. He is just very dynamic. He's your typical, like he's 5'9", 174. He's a little bit smaller, but he is, he's very shifty. He's a good athlete. He's not going to do much in the intermediate game. He's going to be short game, deep game type stuff. Um so it's a limit, a little bit of a limited role where maybe he's another guy that returns, you know, punts or kicks to start off with, and then uh, can grow into a more full-time receiving role. Um, but yeah, once like like you were just saying, like once you get deep enough into these drafts, you're just trying to to maybe swing for the fences a little bit. Like I don't, I'm not going to take a safe guy in the fourth round, you know. As much as I think Demonte Coxie is like a solid college player, I'm not taking him in fourth rounds anywhere because there's no, there's very little, in my opinion, value that's going to accrue off of a guy that's just as average as he is. But I think Jalen Darden is a guy where he can score a couple big touchdowns here and there. And all of a sudden, you know, even if you don't want to keep him, you can toss him in a deal somewhere. 
and um and pick up something else maybe or you know maybe you keep him and he becomes something and maybe uh, i don't want to speculate to what his ceiling is i kind of doubt he ever becomes like a wide receiver one wide receiver two but i'm sure people said the same thing about like antonio brown who was a um a smaller school guy that had kind of that similar profile so um so yeah, I'll, I'll probably own like like I said about um, Eskridge. Like Darden's another guy that I'll probably end up with a ton of across rosters. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think he's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on there for sure at the back end of the rosters. And you know, maybe I don't take him in the fourth round there because I don't think there's too many leagues where I have a lot of fourth rounders in. I usually end up giving those as throw in somewhere. Um, but so so I think that you know he's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on. But as far as your C2C goes, I don't think he's a guy who's going to be available uh, just because, you know, he was the number two scoring wide receiver this year on a points per game basis behind only Devonta Smith, uh, just because he did all that production that you mentioned in nine games. So, you know, 1,190 yards and 19 touchdowns in nine games. You know, he was a guy that people were definitely picking up and, and, and adding to their roster there. So, you know, I think he's more of like a rookie target for sure. Or, you know, get him as a throw-in where people don't think he's going to be a pro prospect. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that never have watched Jalen Darden. I mean, once you get into C2C leagues, like, you know, it's a lot of, you know, we're all degenerates at that point. Like, you watch a lot of football. So maybe the chances are that people in your league have watched Jalen Darden, but um, there's also a solid chance, you know, that, that they didn't. And you can, they'll look at his size and where he gets drafted inevitably and say, oh, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, I'll throw him in as a guy. Yeah, exactly. So regardless, definitely a guy to keep on the watch list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't choose a tight end, but you did. So um and you you were talking to before the show about you had some fun stuff to talk about bowling green in the process. <laughs> so uh, I'm really interested to hear what you say about about this kid. Uh, uh so yeah, the tight end that I chose as my as my sleeper is Quentin Morris out of bowling green. Um now he is a converted wide receiver. Um, you know, he was their wide receipt leading wide receiver last year. He had 55 catches for 649 yards and four touchdowns, which was good for a 39.4% dominator rating. So, you know, he was, and then the, the sophomore year too, he had a 21% dominator rating. He had a really solid year that year as well. So it was kind of odd to me that they chose to move him to tight ends. I mean, he does have the size of that. So he's like six four, two forty eight. So he's, he'll be a solid tight end at the NFL at the NFL level there. And, you know, as a converted wide receiver, he has the athletic profile that the people are looking for too. So he kind of fits the mold of what NFL teams are looking for. So maybe that's why they moved him to tight end. But also it's probably a good thing that they moved him to tight end this year because people won't really look too much at his, at his uh, breakout or his breakout rating or his dominator rating this year because Bowling Green was just absolutely abysmal. They were the second worst team in points per game on the year. They were the 10th worst passing offense and pass yards per game and the 17th worst offense in yards per game. And they had one passing touchdown on the year. Their quarterback threw one touchdown and six interceptions in, in five games which is just terrible. 
like how do you, I don't even know how you only throw one touchdown in in five games? Well, just, he was just warming up. If they had had the other five games, we would have really seen him go on a tear. I yeah. know it. <laughs> I don't. And the the touchdown went to a guy who had two catches on the year too. So I never yeah. saw it coming. Yeah, that, like I guarantee you, that's what it was. Like I know when I, I mentioned that to you, you're like, "What was it? Like a trick play to like their other quarterback or something like that? Was it like a Philly special?" <laughs> Which it may I mean it may as well have. So. He had 92, Quentin Morris had, uh, ni- uh, sorry, he had 248 yards uh, receiving this year, which was 34.8% of his team's yards total because they only had 700 at passing yards total through five games. So, yeah, he had 34.8% of his team's pass yards, but he didn't have any touchdowns, and they only had one passing touchdown. So I don't really know how the market share works on that one. I'm not really a mathematician, but I think we can just throw that out completely and just say that he was Bowling Green's offense. So a guy with that production as and the athleticism of wide receiver moved to tight end. He's also a senior bowl guy. So, you know, I think he'll have a chance to do something there. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on here. Now, I don't think you're going to have to waste a draft pick on him in your rookie drafts. I don't think I guarantee you he's available in your C2C league just because of how abysmal Bowling Green was. So definitely a guy to throw on the watch list, but you know, I don't think you have to do anything more than that at this point. But if you have an open roster spot come off season and you know, he gets to a good, decent situation in the NFL, you know, maybe pick him up as an end of the bench stash. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I can't add anything to that discussion because I have no idea who this dude is. And you told me you were going to talk about him like 20 minutes before the show. So there's there's no way that there is going to be any sort of research done there. So no. um, I and, will completely take your word for it. Yeah, and I mean, I, if you noticed, I didn't really mention anything about his like actual skill set because there's like no, there's like literally no tape that I could find on him. Uh, I've well, I, I YouTube looked up his highlights and he looked like he had solid hands from that. Like it didn't, it's highlights though. So kind of hard to tell, but even his highlights were, were pretty hit. Like there was one thing of highlights for him, but it was like a minute and 30 seconds long and there was just nothing. So definitely a guy that like, I want to watch. I don't know where I'm going to be able to find it. So if we have any Bowling Green uh, fans in the, um, in our listener poll that that have some Bowling Green episode or yeah, yeah, episodes games from this season hidden on their DVR or something somewhere, uh, <laughs> if you have them, Colin will gladly take them. I will. Me, I will hit me up. I don't know if he even wants to watch it. Uh, to be honest, it sounds. Uh, like I mean, a, with an offense that was that bad this year, like yeah, I don't know. And yeah, I'd, their their backup quarterback was uh, was zero for two on passing with one interception for mm-hmm. a negative 100 passer rating. So like they thought what, that was a good idea for like a series and <laughs> they were like, no, nah, that's not a good idea. Yeah. We'll stick with the one touchdown, five interception game. <laughs> so, hey, if you're a high school kid and you're listening to this and you want to play some Division One quarterback, <laughs> Bowling Green, Green probably has some, some competitive spots open for you next year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really like. This is such a tight, uh, a deep tight end class. I didn't, I didn't specify any tight ends that I think are are deep sleepers that I was going to really dig that deep into. Um, but if I had to name a guy, it's another Duke guy, Noah Gray. Um, I just think he's very unlucky to be in such a, a deep tight end class because he's a very raw 
player, but I think he has a really nice ceiling. He's got nice size. He's pretty athletic. Um, not sure where he's going to get drafted. I think you got a Shrine Bowl invite, um, if I remember correctly, which is nice. You like to see that he would have been in one of these games. And a couple of Shriners become something every year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, I, if, if you made me on the spot pick a tight end that I think is just um, no one's really talking about that I think it could be something someday, then I'll, I'll toss Noah Grace's uh, name into the, the hat or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I do like Noah Gray as well. Um, but, I mean, like I said, like, when, when I saw, you know, I was just kind of doing some deep research here, and, uh, you know, I saw a converted wide receiver to tight end, and that's just kind of what the NFL looks for now. So that's kind of what drew my eye here. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's going to be the show here for tonight. Um, we will be back early next week um, on our Campus Life ep- episode to, to talk some college football. Until then, enjoy your weekend, guys. Um, remember to um, go, if you're on Apple Odca- Apple Podcasts, go rate, review the show. I think we're up to like seven ratings now. Um, so the pool's getting bigger. You know, the, the jersey probably maybe not go to Felix anymore. It's going to go to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, get get those those reviews in there. Um, and when you do it, just DM us or email us a picture of your review so we can put it to a name. Um, so when it comes time to do a drawing, we can just reach out to you instead of having to wait for someone to come forward. Um, you can either DM us. I'm, uh, at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. Colin is at campus to Canton, the number two, or you can email us. It is the same as Colin's Twitter handle campus to Canton at gmail.com. And until next time, guys, um, uh, yeah, this is Austin. This is Colin. Have a good good weekend. weekend.